Welcome to the official podcast of the English Montreal School Board's Holocaust Education Program, supported by some generous private donors. I'm Mark Bergman, joined by co-host Eliane Goldstein, Sandra Bannon, a French teacher at St. Monica, and Samantha Page-Smith, spiritual and community animator at Westmount High, St. Monica, Hampstead, and John Grant High School, were both selected to take part in the 2023 Canadian Society for Yad Vashem Holocaust Educators Scholarship Program in Israel this past July, along with dozens of other educators from across Canada. I'm here with Eliane Goldstein on our podcast, and I guess... Samantha, we'll start with you by telling us a little bit about the lead up to the program and why you decided to take part. Yes. So I've been um, in the before COVID times, I would used to take students to the Yad Vashem Remembrance Day ceremony in Ottawa um, for the Shoah. And so that was how I first got connected with various people from Yad Vashem. And so we would take students there. They get to meet with Holocaust survivors, um, get to hear their stories and and share and talk a lot about um how to just make our world a more accepting place like that always seemed to be the theme of those dialogues it was just a short hour long of maybe 12 students paired up with one speaker uh, survivor and it was a, a great experience so i worked with Yad Vashem with that and i applied actually a while ago for this but wasn't able to go when i got it um, about six seven years ago and during covid it obviously was on pause for a bit and so this was the first year back so it was nice to to be reached out again and get to go. So that's and my experience with the admission. Yeah. Program Sandra piqued your interest. Why was it so important for you personally to go and take part in the scholarship program? So I teach cycle three at San Monica's. I'm actually a French teacher. And when um, this classroom, grade six, became my class, there was Holocaust books, but I was never comfortable teaching it. And I went to a workshop at the Montreal Holocaust Museum and it gave me the strength to actually teach it. So I've been teaching it for 13 years at San Monica's actually, the Holocaust. Um, every January, we read a book uh, called uh, La Valisana and a Suitcase. We read in French, and I do this for about four or five months. I've applied to the program twice, but it was in English, so never got it. And this year, when I got the email, the questions were actually in French. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to give it a try and answer those questions in French. And I got an email saying that I got in. So for me, it was was huge. And why was it important for you personally to to take part in the program? What what about the program? Well, I wanted to obviously learn more in order to teach more to my students. Uh, because everything that I've learned um, that I teach to my kids is mainly through the Montreal Holocaust Museum. I've gone to almost all of their workshops that they gave about every two years now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's all in English. So it's a lot of translating on my end. A lot of the resources are in English. I needed more of the French resource. Um, so for me, it was important to, to at least try to attend to get more on, on the French you know, resource and um, for my kids, for my students, I mean. What kind of expectations did you have going into the trip? I knew I'd be going into a heavy time like I did have the expectations and tried to prepare myself for that um it was very heavy topics it was I mean 9 a.m till 6 p.m Sandra that we're pretty much in class uh with lectures with different PhD like in the field it was amazing um so I was like expecting kind of I guess like yes a very heavy a very uh hard academic 
kind of rigor. Um, but I was expecting to hopefully walk away with a lot of knowledge and resources to bring back to our students. And I don't know about you, Sandra, but I, I feel like my I met my expectations. It was heavy. It was hard mm. and challenging, but also um, walked away with knowing so much more, so much more comfortable in sharing these resources with teachers and with students and um, just more aware of so many different levels. Yeah, it's the same thing. I, I different than Samantha, I didn't know what I was getting into because I was part of the first uh, group of educators on the French side. There was, had never been in the past. So I didn't know what kind of program they were putting together for us. I didn't know if some of the lectures were going to be bilingual or French. They were actually having people come from France or more Israel. I really didn't know. I knew like Samantha was going to be heavy and that we were going to be learning a lot, which we have. But I have to admit that the qualities of the, the people who lectured us every day was unbelievable. Um, anywhere from rabbis to university professors to psychiatrists was really unbelievable. So you guys both talked about how um, like the learning was a big part of it for you, like learning new things about the Holocaust. So is there one thing that specifically stuck out to you that you learned that you didn't know before? I mean, one, I was very grateful they give us like this age appropriate grid of like what to talk about at what ages, which is amazingly helpful because we always kind of struggle with this and like psychologists and trauma informed, like they've looked at that. Um, so that was a great resource. But for me um, personally, what I had never really thought about and how I'll definitely change and what I keep flagging to a lot of people is the images we use um, in educating about the Holocaust. And to stop and think critically about who took those photos and why they took them. Because what they're starting to realize in their research is many of those photos were taken by Nazis and specifically to perpetuate like this dehumanization. And so in a way, when we continue to share those in our education, just to pause and think, are we continuing that dehumanization? Um, and just to be aware and to think critically about all the images that we use and see um in our education so that was that was a really key thing that made me stop and think um and i'm grateful for that for me the the there's one thing that they said i think it was on the second week and i have to say it in french because that's what i wrote in my book it's called la Shoah par balle i didn't know that they were actually killing people just gunshots it's not just the concentration camp it was also just that so that for me was huge. I, I went back to the person giving me that workshop that day and I'm like, can you elaborate for this for me? Like, I, I really didn't know. And the last few days, we also had a psychiatrist who spoke to us about the trauma, not only on the Holocaust survivors, but on the, you know, the children and the grandchildren and the, all the other generation. There's a trauma that's being passed down from the Holocaust survivor themselves, but to the children and the grandchildren today. So for me, this was also a big eye opener. Can you talk about the different approach to learning about the Holocaust? How, how you know, there, there's no better, probably better place than than to learn about the Holocaust right there and then at Yad Vashem. What was their approach like? One, their key approach that they kept repeating, I don't know what it would be en français, but for us it was safe in, safe out. Like, did they talk about that with you? Um, and so just being more aware of setting up emotional safe space for these like traumatizing um, learning it, just to be aware. So like that was a very key thing, like an approach that they were really, they kept talking about that. Make sure safe in, safe out. Uh, be aware of what resources you are showing. Um, teach through storytelling. 
that was really key and, and focusing on um, primary sources um, as well as like the individual like to, to remember, so right, like it, they kept calling it rehumanizing. Mm-hmm. So the Nazis tried to dehumanize. And so we now need to rehumanize and tell these stories, the full picture, um, not just in this time of Auschwitz or concentration camp, but to give like width and breadth of their life uh, and their story that they were so much more than just that time period, what who they were before and after has probably more meaning than just in that time period. Sandra, how do you do that with the younger ones at, at St. Monica's? How do you introduce the Holocaust and, and talk about the subject matter with the younger students? So I start in September, actually. I'm doing this right now. I do democracy right in September with grade six, and we speak about Chile. I'm finishing up probably next week, South Africa with Nelson Mandela. So that's the first starter I do with them. And they already, you know, start of the year with saying, what do you mean people? What do you mean you went to jail for 26 years? Like for them, it's like, so I already started with that. So, you know, I start off the year already talking that not so long ago, this is what happened. And then um, I go with what they know first, show them the cover of the book, that it's a true story. I tell them right from the beginning that it takes place on three different continents. One of them is North America. I'm also Jewish. And I tell the kids right at the beginning of the school year, I said, I'm going to be away for the Jewish holidays and stuff like that. I'm no different than you. So for them, uh, when we do the Holocaust, they're actually, I mean, I'm standing in front of them every day. So when we do, when I do read the book and we do start with the restrictions, I, I use myself a lot saying that I would not be able to teach them. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, I would not be able to be here for you every day. I mean, I've had kids in the past who come and they give me a hug at the end of the day and say, thank you, Madame Bano. I've had all, all kinds and all sorts. So for them, having a Jewish teacher teaching them the Holocaust, um, you know, it, it, it's a bit more, I don't want to say real, but it's it's a reality. I'm here with them two and a half days a week. So did you have any real survivors come in and talk to you? Or was it just like different specialists? So we had... I don't know about Samantha, but the was Samantha's last weekend in Tel Aviv. It was uh, in Israel. It was my um, my first uh, weekend. We went to Tel Aviv, and on Sunday we did meet a survivor um, in Tel Aviv who told us her story, gave us her book, and uh, shared with us her story. Yes, we did. We meet one survivor. I have to go through my notes, but I believe that some of the people teaching us were actually children or of survivors as well. Uh, yes. So we had the same survivor. I'm totally blanking on her name right now. I was trying to find my notes. Uh, I couldn't find it. But uh, I know she's in that because um, she's she was French and English. She spoke both. So we had the same one. Um, she's in one of the Azrieli that at great risk Um book compendium so um so we did have one speaker one survivor speak with us and then we i think you're right as well sandra we had a few uh, many of our speakers Mm -hmm. second third generation so in your opinions how do you think that experience is different from learning um about the holocaust from someone that is not a survivor because because i know that like i know that if someone's telling you all these facts about the holocaust you can think oh this happened but then like even me who like I've been hearing these stories for like my whole life. Even like when I meet a survivor now and they tell me their story, I feel like it's a lot different for me to hear it coming from like the actual survivor and coming from like just like anywhere else. 
But how do you think that that was different for you? Well, different in the sense that it's, you know, it's their story. Like Samantha said, you know, the Nazi tried to, you know, we're putting back a, a name and a face into the horror of what happened. So actually meeting the survivor and hearing their story, it's, it's we're putting a human face back to, you know, what happened. And we are also reminded of um, the importance of not just hearing one story, like like really try to immerse yourself in very different stories because so many people have different experiences. Um, and then, and even like, I know um, the person who was kind of moderating it, like he said, like later of it, her story changes every time she t- tells it to. Um, so even just like talking the same person over and over and getting new, new things and new aspects and just trying to build, right, to build this you know, more complete picture um, and more complete story about one human and just hearing her talk about what her life is like now and her joys and interests and, and really recognizing that. Like, that was what was beautiful about it. I'm curious how either of you approach the subject with kids so they don't just think it's a page in history a long, long time ago, and specifically with anti-Semitism, how it's real and it's still happening now today in a city like Montreal. Um, Eliane has sat through two of my assemblies the last few years. Um, I do a toppling the pyramid of hate assembly uh, for the high school levels of just really trying to bring that in, not just anti-Semitism, but anti-bias and racism towards many different. And so it's using the ADL. Um, they have a pyramid of hate of just how if the a base of hate for us. Uh, huh? Sorry. Talk a bit about the pyramid of hate for us. Love yeah, to so I'm trying to, I don't have it up in front of me. I didn't have that notes <laughs> prepared. But like at the base of the pyramid is just if if society accepts jokes and slurs, like if we make that okay, then the next level is, um, I think skipping a level, but like maybe then laws or, or, or violence towards different people becomes, and when a society accepts that, the next part would be laws being changed, um, against a certain race of people or religion and then the next something else and then the next would be genocide and so it just it shows that steps right and for us to be aware of like okay if we are as a society accepting this and so I actually will walk through students and we'll look at Quebec news that's relevant and be like okay what level is this on the pyramid like if society is okay with this happening right now in our neighborhood just be aware right it's a big part about bringing awareness um to many different things that are happening around us that anti-semitism has not gone away and there's many other like rise of hate unfortunately during covid has skyrocketed uh, across north america it seems and so just being aware of this and trying to work towards toppling that pyramid <laughs> Samantha, you think we've moved up that pyramid uh, in the last uh, short while? Yes, unfortunately. Um, I mean, you can look at some laws of Quebec and recent uh, targeting specific people. And so that that's a big red flag for me. Um, that's a bit scary for we've accepted so much stereotyping and bullying. And now even our laws are affecting that. And when you see that pyramid, that's pretty high up there on the pyramid. That if laws are specifically targeting groups of people based on their religion or ethnicity, um, so just to be aware. So I'm curious as to how the Holocaust education curriculum will be adapted after the seminar. Um, like, like what what you guys will be doing um, to teach Holocaust education now 
versus what you did before or how you're going to be changing it? I mean, the conf- I, I believe I have much more confidence after getting 95 hours of learning in two weeks. So I think my confidence is much higher. I think I'll be better um, equipped to answer, especially some parents that might be saying, no, my child is too young in grade six to learn about that. So I think that I'm better prepared. I've got more resource. And I was part of, you know, 24 other or 25, I should say, other educators that I can reach out to at any time and ask for support or help as well. What do you say to a parent who 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 tells you that? And let's say in grade six, that that my my child is way too young to be learning about the Holocaust. I end up in the office of the principal a couple of years ago because the parent did not want the child to be in my classroom, and they were trying to get the child just out of my class for four months, which was not an option. So what you do is you need to explain to the parents that I'm not doing politics, I am not doing religion, I am doing a very dark, sad part of our history that everybody needs to know. And it's very sad that some parents are still completely closed up to the idea of not wanting to teach that. I mean, I just finished printing my Meet the Teacher, which is next week. And I do mention it to the parents. And I do put a side note in English saying, please know that I do not teach about the concentration camp. I mean, there will be mentioned, but the horrors of how people were killed will not be talked about or elaborated about. This is not the goal of teaching the Holocaust. Like Samantha said, I want to teach the Holocaust. We need to teach the Holocaust just to, you know, to make sure that our students do not stereotype, do not judge people because of the color of their skin, their religion, their sexual orientation. It is so important today. Our society is made out of everyone and everybody has a place here. I think it's important. I just want to know, like, other animators and other have possibly the opportunity to be a part of this program. So teachers, for sure, they can it usually comes out I think the application usually is around January through March um, so just kind of be aware and you can ask various people of where to but contact Yad Vashem Can- Canadian Society for Yad Vashem sorry to be more clear as Sandra said to gain the confidence like I know so I will be as my role as animator I'll be more supporting teachers so at St. Monica I'll be supporting her English half uh, because that teacher has never done Holocaust and she'll be since she's in the English side like the students will have more emotional kind of questions she's like wanting to be ready for so I'll work with her with giving resources as well as like talking with the students um, about it too Um, and then I'll so I think teachers should apply if they're wanting to feel more comfortable about it Um, to have that support as Sandra said as well if we now have this WhatsApp chat of like I have 24 teachers across Canada Um, so that's a real big support that we have to kind of work with one another as we're implementing these resources and things that we learned so at my school I'll be providing resources it'll be one of my emails I've been focusing on truth and reconciliation week right now but I will be sending out to teachers uh, that I have resources that I can help guide and walk through I can provide a little bit of like as Sandra, our 96 hours, I can try to squish into one hour of a takeaway for them. Um, so thank you both for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us.